Welcome to Resilience Rock Sales, your front row seat to rocking your sales game. I'm your host, Stacey Kopas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Academy of Resilience Inner Circle. For more information, head to academyofresilience.com.au. Now on with the show. Welcome to Resilience Rock Sales, and I'm excited to introduce you to this week's guest, Gillian Stapleton. And rather than read out a lengthy bio or anything like that, I find it's far more interesting to hear Gillian's story from Gillian herself. So welcome, Gillian, and I'd love to give us a bit about the Gillian story. Oh, thank you, Stacey. It's so great to reconnect with you and um, just shows to me the great power of networking that you and I met. Several years ago and through COVID, we've managed to stay connecting. So the power of networking and the female um, empowerment is fantastic. And that really is my story. I've, um, I gave up teaching many, many, many years ago. That was like my first career in my first act. My second act, I've been involved in um, direct selling um, at all levels. I ran a home-based business for 10 years while I raised my small children and then was privileged to be offered a position in that company to be their CEO. And they brought me out from England to Australia, who knew? And then I've had an amazing career running international direct selling companies and, and built a running career, which is in some ways what we're going to chat about today, because I think I also took up running at the age of the ripe old age of 47 and uh, not just running, but marathon running. And I'm still running marathons at the grand old age of 63. I'm very proud of that. And not dissimilar to you on our pre-podcast conversation, we talked about things we promised we were going to do. For 10 years, I talked about writing a book. I had no idea what to do, how to do it, but then I decided last year that this was going to happen and got my, you know, uh, team of people to help me. And suddenly uh, here I am now published author. Who knew that would happen? And <laughs> so, congratulations. Yeah, very diverse career. And congratulations, particularly on getting, getting that done, the book part, because I know it's something that you can procrastinate a lot on. And I know even when I did my book, I thought, oh, I'll crowdfund it because I thought that would keep me accountable to get it done even faster. And I still took a year and a bit to get it done, even though that was the case. What I love there is that you, you mentioned you, you got the team together to do it. And that, you know, it just makes such a big difference, isn't it? Because so often it's just like, oh, we're just going to do it all on our own. And that's just been great. There's so many things that you've just shared there that I'm just like, where do we start? But what I'd love to start with is taking up running at 47. Yeah. And, there's, and what I love about that is I know personally, I, I took up athletics again in my, at 34 and I was being called a mature age athlete at that stage. So what was it like to actually, first of all, what was the, what was the process that you went through to go, okay, at 47, I'm just going to pick up the runners, start running, but not just, not just start running, but you're just going to go, okay, I'm going to go all out. I'm just going to go straight for the marathon. Like tell, talk us through that. Well, I didn't go straight for the marathon because I'd have probably been injured, but um, it's sort of to do with your topic of resilience. I'd been living in Australia for five, six years by that point. 
and had spent very a lot of time building my career, ensuring the children were happy in high school, building building that side. And I realized one day I just went, I, something's missing from my life. I was missing that community, that girlfriend type stuff, which in your 40s is much harder to, to do, to build those really solid networks. And then there was a TV advertisement for a running, I'm very passionate about Can2. They're an Australian-wide organization and they raise money for um, research into cancer. And, but they also, they, and how they do that is through running programs. So they teach you to run. I went, oh, as if you need to be taught how to run. But you do need to be held accountable. And so I joined this program with the view to run the Sydney Bridge Run, which is held in September. It is July when I started and um, it was a three-month training program and I went along to this cold, cold, dark oval in the middle of July. It was freezing cold and down in Sydney, in North Sydney, Willoughby and started to run around a, around a, around a track, which I'd never really done athletics in England. You didn't really do that. And, um, and so for me, that's how it started. Um, and it was meeting the women, particularly at that group. And over the three months, we really bonded. We really got on so well. And particularly Helen, who I ran that first race with, her and I had become lifelong mates. And she and I ran that, that 10K together. And we thought we were world champions. We got a medal placed around our neck at the end of it. Sydney Opera House, you get a medal around your neck and you go, oh, I'm all it's amazing how that makes you feel. Um, and it's an, it, was, it was carving out time for me as a mature woman. You can get pulled like an octopus in so many different directions that I identified I needed something for me, oxygen mask on self. You know, I had to look after myself and it sort of plays into your topic. I just needed to find me and something for me that I was, you know, and, and I didn't know it was going to be running. I was looking at all sorts of things, but it was running. I was lucky to find something that I then became very passionate about. And it's been, it's run alongside my professional career running sales organizations because I don't think I would have been anywhere near as successful in my sales career running companies if I hadn't had my running to keep me balanced. And, and what was it, do you think, about the running that enabled you to be, so first of all, balanced, but also what, what were those things that you found that helped you to be more successful in your sales career as well? In, in some ways, I was thinking about your topic, resilience and in sales, but I found that it stopped me, running has stopped me ruminating for days and weeks about how to do something, what to do. It, it does two things for me. One, if I go running on my own, it gives me time to work things out. It's my form of meditation. It's moving meditation for me. I'm not good at sitting still. And for me, if I can run for an hour, I can come back and go, you know what? I mean, my, my sales groups and all the, and any of my employees listening to this will just go, oh, I used to go out for a run often at lunchtime. I felt it was important to get that vitamin D at lunchtime. And I'd come back into the office and in my sweaty gear go, well, I've got this great guess. I've got. And, and they used to dredge it when I'd come back from a run because it was my best time. And I've had my most inspirational ideas for boosting sales, changing direction while I've been running because it just gave me time to clear my head. But the second thing that's really been so precious to me is community. I have just got this amazing group of men and women 
all around the world that I've run with, that I've shared a run with. You know, when you spent two hours on your feet chatting, you can only talk about so much TV and what's gone on in the week. And those, that network have helped me as well to go, oh, Jill, stop getting, get out of your own way. That's not your problem. That's the, and so it's, it's actually been free therapy for 15 years. It's great. <laughs> That's, that's incredible. And I've heard a lot about the walking meditation and um, even going back to Emerson and all those type of people talked about going for the walk out in the woods and how important that was for the ideas flowing, getting out, but, but movement. And it's so interesting that you, you've sort of said about being able to have those flashes of brilliance and then running back in. And I can just imagine they're just like, oh my gosh, not again, not again. They must see you you know, going out for the run and just like, oh my God, what, what are we going to get when she comes yeah, back? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. But also what an example as a leader to be then going out there and then doing those things and taking care of yourself as well. Because I think sometimes as a leader is that being chained to the desk and doing those type of things. But I think if you've got the ability to go out and you're demonstrating that it's self-care as well then it's one of those things that I really, I, I think you probably, while they probably dreaded you coming back in then, but also them seeing you go out and do that. It's a nice reminder. It's inspiring, but also giving them permission to go, well, you know, if Jillian's going out and doing this, mm. then this has to be important and more important than pushing through, working through lunch and doing things like that. I do believe it's a monkey see, monkey do. You can't freak to your uh, employees um, you've got to role model the right behavior and and also to my children and friends and stuff and I never did it for that I, I that sounds a little bit sanctimonious I never did it for that reason but I did see and then occasionally I remember Chelsea who was with us at direct selling she go oh can I come with you like sure and I remember a fabulous day with Chelsea she was a young employee she'd been with us a while and she'd never run across the harbour bridge so we had an office in Sydney so I said put your shoes on and we'll run across the harbour bridge and she was just so excited and I know that launched something different for her so I think it is you don't realize that people are watching you but um, it's a good observation that you've said it does role model the right behavior uh, and as you know, in my book, you'll see, I had no idea of this, but in chapter 10 of my book, both my kids decided to run my 10th marathon with me in New York. So I've now given that to them as well. And it was never a goal of mine, really. I never dreamed that I'd be able to run New York marathon with both of my children at that point, adult children. So it's, it is funny when you just say yes to one thing, the ripple effect, and I nearly called my book that, the ripple effect of these little actions become way, way bigger as they stretch out. I love how many unintended byproducts of those things. And it's like starting out by saying yes to yourself. And so often, particularly as women, as mothers, as working mothers, there is that, that element of it's like you just, you end up with what's left. And by then stepping up and going me for on that and looking at that, like, I can't imagine how special was that to, to do oh, new with your kids. It would bring tears to my eyes. It was so special. And what was even more special was as I was writing the book last year, I wrote to them both and we, they were all, all three of us were in different countries at the time. And I wrote to them and said, look, I asked them four or five different questions about why did you run and what, so to get some insights to put into the book. 
they wrote such great answers that I've just published in the book. Their answers, their questions and the answers. And that to me was even more special, seeing what they got out of it in the years that followed. So that was, that was very emotional. And to this day, it still brings yeah, tears to my eyes that they chose to do that with me. But just jumping back to something there you said is about saying yes to things. I talk about that a little bit in the book because I think that's really important. So often, particularly women are held back by fear. They go, oh, I can't do that because I don't know how to do this or this is not going to work for me or I don't know. And I was the same with running, with moving to Australia. Everything I've done in my life, I've never really known how it was going to roll out. But George, who did my direct selling training and I learned so much from him, he said, don't wait for all of the traffic lights to be on green because they never are. So it's been a real mantra of mine as well is you'd look down a highway, you know, if you wait and go, I can't move yet because there's a red light, three lights up. Well, the first light's on green. I've got the idea. Let me just go from green and move to the amber. And and it's really important because the minute you say yes to one thing, the, the forward motion takes you. Now, sometimes you go off in different directions, but just saying yes to running a direct selling business, just saying yes. When I was off for the job in Australia, I just said yes. And I went, oh, hang on a minute. I've got to move my family. I, I've never been there. I don't know what I do. I knew nothing about it, but I just said yes. And, and then worked out how to do it on the way. And interesting, if the universe wants you to do it, it throws in the answers along the way. I, I totally agree. And it's been my experience too. And that's been so much. And, and I, I, I'd speak a lot about that too, is just say yes and figure it out. And I like, I hadn't heard, um, as you said, George's description of waiting for all the lights to be green, because I often talk about, and it's another, you know, motor vehicle analogy and it's, you use your GPS and, and you put the destination in. So as long as you know where you're headed, it gives you the first step, but it only gives you a step at a time. And that's what I sort of feel too. It's like when you take that first step, the path appears and the universe conspires, I feel, to put things in your path to help you actually get there. And so many people just get yeah hung up on the how, but the how ends up being the easiest part when the where and the what and the why, they're clear. Yeah. That's amazing. And I mean, another one of the, again, I'm, these are sayings, I don't just throw them out. They're all in my book. I've used them for years in building my career is how do you eat an elephant? You know, when you're faced with this big problem, how do you eat an elephant? And this was taught to me by Anne, again, in my direct selling career early on. It's easy. It's one bite at a time. And my chain, you can see here, I, I wear this chain. I've had this chain probably 25 years. It's just a chain of elephants. Oh my gosh, what a great reminder. I've run every marathon, 12 to date, running with this chain. I swim in it. I, I literally never take it off. But it's been, for me, it's my accountability. So you'll often see me just doing this. If there's something that I'm really, oh, I'm not sure. I just have this inner reminder of, it's okay. It's just one bite at a time. As you say, the path will open up. Yeah. So powerful. So powerful. And I love going back to, as you said, when you were, when you were at direct selling and, um, you know, talking about, you obviously inspired Chelsea to take up running and things like that. But what I love when you were talking also around the running group, and there was a couple of things that popped up there was the sense of community 
and the network and stuff like that, which I think feeds beautifully into direct selling being so much of it being around community and the networking and the support and all that type of stuff. What role have you found in your experience does resilience have in being successful in direct selling? I think that's a really great question and a big question. I think in any career, not necessarily just direct selling, but it is that resilience that it's, it's how you deal with it. So for me, 15 years of running has really helped me overcome some of the biggest issues because you've got to pick yourself up. I'm a great believer that you can give yourself a pity party, but you have to have an end time. So if you're feeling sorry for yourself, you go, okay, I'm going to have a day on the lounge in front of Netflix because it's been a rough. And then you go, but by six o'clock tonight, I'm going to get myself back up again. And running does that for me. I know if I go out for a run, I can't be down for long. I, I can't ruminate on things for too long. So that stretching that resilience muscle by overcoming some of this stuff, by going out with some girlfriends whose issues are far worse than yours and you suddenly put you into perspective or chatting it through with somebody who gives you an alternate view. It's really, really important in any career. Direct selling as well. It's always been on the fringes. People always, I get very passionate about direct selling because people go, oh, you know, pyramid. No, no. <laughs> no. It empowers thousands and thousands of women for financial independence. And, and when I talk about that, it might be $100 a week, but never belittle what $100 a week in your pocket can do. And I've worked with regulators for the last 10 years, ensuring that women can continue to do this business. And people say, but they don't earn a lot of money. I said, well, your definition of a lot of money is irrelevant because $100 a week just means they can do buy the school shoes or they can join a community group or pay the soccer fees. It doesn't have to be a big bill. It can be a small bill that gives you that empowerment. And that in itself helps you overcome the next obstacle. And that's where I think resilience is little steps, bites at a time of little steps forward. You go, okay, I can breathe because I've done that this week. Okay. And, and reward, patting yourself on the back and rewarding yourself and go, oh, I did this. I've got this. <laughs> And again, that's what's so powerful for me about the running analogy is running the streets of New York. It's they're lined with 3 million people, 3 million people support New York runners. And all they're doing is cheering. You've got this. You've got this. It's like, it's amazing. And that's what direct selling does. Women empowering women. You've got this. I'll help you. How can I be there for you? It's, it's a very similar community, I think, running, direct selling, or you find that community. It doesn't have to be running. Again, I talk a lot about it. Running is what I found to be passionate, but you need to find something that's, that you feel passionate about. If it's not running, do pickleball. Everybody's taking up pickleball at the moment. Whatever it is for you, you need to find that thing for you because it'll make you better in your, at the balance. It makes you more resilient in your work, in your home life. Because it gives you that outlet, I firmly believe it's so important. And I think my running is, is so popular as a first step because the barrier to entry is so low. All you need to you say that. My, my husband says it's cost us a fortune with it hand. But well, it should only be simple. <laughs> if you take it to the level of doing all the international marathons, it could get a little bit expensive. But, yeah. you know, just. But the first steps in getting started, it's lace up your shoes and walk out the front door. 
And that's why for women, particularly, it's so good because you can fit it in in the nooks and crannies. And that's I did when I was very busy. You can literally put your shoes on, sort the kids out, leave them with somebody, and you can head out. And 30 minutes later, it doesn't have to be a big marathon run. 30 minutes, trust me, I don't always run that far. You just come back and you're like, oh, okay, I, I can deal with this now. <laughs> It's such a good reset and it's just, and again, that physical movement, getting the endorphins going, getting the heart rate up. There's so many things. And and I like too that you said, as you said, that you can fit it into those little nooks and crannies and those little gaps in the day. And and I think that's also where direct selling is great too, isn't it? Because it is something, again, that people can fit in into those little gaps that they've got and and take that ownership. And I know there's just been so much, there, there always has been and there probably always will be a lot of negativity and a lot of misconceptions around direct selling because people sort of think, oh, it's all marketed as you can have a yacht and you can do all these type of things when yeah, the reality is very different. And I know personally, like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. My, my first exposure to personal development was through a direct selling company in my 20s. And I didn't go in there thinking, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to make a million dollars. I went in there going, this is a, it's a learning opportunity. I can do something around my job, do that sort of stuff. And just, yeah, the sense of community, the mentorship, all of those sort of things were fantastic. And I think that it also then gives people an opportunity to get a step up into other things as well, isn't it? And such a tr good, it's such a stepping stone for a lot of people, isn't it? I, yeah. And maybe I should start a movement, but I think direct selling is such a good apprenticeship. We talk about, we revere apprenticeships in carpentry and electricians and all of those. I think direct selling is a business apprenticeship. I know so many women like you, Stacey, who've done a year, two years in direct selling, and it's been just a little piece of their building their career. And then they've gone on to open their own business or gone into corporate or done something else. And that to me is where the miscommunication comes. You don't have to, the people say, oh, but they come and they go. Yeah, but they go on to other things. They never, rarely, some do, but they never regret that little bit of time in direct selling where they learn personal development or they learn how to sell or they learn how to do social media because there's always this team of women around to teach you and that helps with everything that you do later on in life. So that's a really good, I love that, that you said that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing because that's so important. It's one of those things of connecting the dots in reverse because I hadn't really, I hadn't really, I guess, given credit to that until I yeah, reverse engineered the process. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it was that, that year or so that I, was, that I was doing that. And that's when I started to read personal development books and listen to back then, the tapes. That's tapes. <laughs> the tapes. I had some tapes and then the CDs. Now it's so easy. It's like, we've got podcasts. We've got all these type of things. And I think now it's probably never been easier to yeah. get started and have some success. And if we're talking about success and then people that do go on to build teams and leadership, what, what sort of skills and like particularly around the resilience and the mindset, what sort of skills have you found to be most useful for people to build into their teams as far as helping them to step up into being successful in those roles? Yeah, again, a great question. And I think maybe I was slightly different leader to sort of before COVID. During COVID, we were taught to be authentic, to listen to our employees more. Um, it was now okay to be friends with your employees and sit down. And I've always had that philosophy. Even from my very first job back in 2000, 
when I was first moved out here, my first office that I was running in Parramatta, I'm still in contact with Carolyn and Julie, who worked for me at that time. I very much think leading teams is, is about just leading. You don't have to manage everything. It's inspiring, it's leading people, and it's allowing people to be the best that they can be. I mean, there's been so many positives come out of COVID of allowing people to work the hours they want to work because it works for them. And in that way, you get the best out of them. I mean, we at Direct Selling were working from home way before working from home was a great thing because we knew that people got more done. They were more, I felt people were more productive. It allowed them to have a bit of space and their mental well-being. I've, and I think as a leader, I've always felt it's important to, with the health and well-being, the balance, the, and again, the running has allowed me to role model that and allowed other people to be the best that they can be because it's not necessarily about sitting at your desk between nine and five. And, and we've had to learn that through COVID, I think. Um, and that's been, I think, a great learning out of that. So that's a sort of roundabout way. I do think it's about being authentic as a leader. It's about being listening. I have to say that's the skill I've been trying to learn a bit more in the last few years. Do talk too much. I'm learning to listen. And it's amazing then how you can inspire more people. And you just hear that one thing that's maybe holding them back. Then you teach them to fly and they're, they're away. And I think of Rebecca, who was one of my more recent employees, I just remember sitting, chatting with her and listening to her. And I was about to say to her, I don't know what's up with you, Rebecca, but your work's a bit off and you seem a bit tired, you know, those conversations. And as I listened to her and watched her body language, I went, oh, I know what's wrong. Nothing's wrong. She's pregnant, but she's not told anybody. So we had this very quiet conversation. And I just said to her, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't going to tell you yet, but... And I went, okay, so that was a valuable learning for me. And Rebecca and I, I knew way before many other people in our office, but then I was able to be a better leader for her and say, well, look, I think from now on, you need to start working from home a couple of days a week because she was commuting an hour each way. So learning to listen and be empathetic to your employees, you get, you get so much more out of them. And I think as a leader, if you can do that, then that gives them permission to also do that. Super valuable insights. So the listening and the the empathy. And how then as a leader do you then weave accountability into that piece as well? Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? And and that is about outcome. It is about producing the work. And and there are times as a leader when you've got to have those tough conversations. But I think as long as you're clear in setting the goals and the boundaries, then you can hold people accountable. And say, well, we discussed this and this and we're not quite there. So do you want to tell me? And so having those accountabilities, measures, and again, through the last 15 years of running, that's what I found works for me. I don't know it doesn't work for everybody, but having the marathons to train for holds myself accountable. It means I've got to get up at six to do that run in order to get to work by nine. And if I don't, I miss that window of opportunity. And I've used that with my employees a lot. Of you, you've got to have the goals. You know, they get externally set, but you've got to be able to hold yourself accountable or have an accountability coach. And that's something I'm a huge believer in. You know, if I'm going to meet a girlfriend at 6 a.m. for a sunrise run, sounds idyllic. 
But getting out of bed at 5.30 is not idyllic to me. I am not an early riser. And I know I'll let myself down, but I won't let her down. And so having those coaches, um, I'm a great believer in that, that if you can have somebody hold you accountable, and sometimes that's the boss, that's the leader, uh, but it's better if it's yourself. So it's having the, again, the two things have got to work together. If you're really passionate about building a sales team or getting this career going, whether it's direct selling or any sales career, you've got targets and places to be, but you need somebody to guide you along the way and say, so we're not quite there yet. What can we do before Friday to, uh, to help you get there? And sometimes just getting out of your own way and having somebody else with a different perspective can really do that. That's that's super helpful. And there was something that jumped out to me too when you were talking about that as well, is you mentioned boundaries. And that's something that you don't hear a lot when you're talking about accountability and goals. Like obviously you talk about goals and those type of things and and that type and motivation and direction and vision. But what what role do boundaries have in oh, in that sense? That's super important. Like without boundaries, we could go rogue. You know, you've got to have that's why direct selling has been brought into such disrepute because people have gone outside the boundaries. It's not comfort zone things, it's boundaries. There are the right and wrong, the ethics. And sometimes you have to let go of a goal. Maybe it's not supposed to be if you're going to play outside of the boundaries. So I think being clear, ethical, you know, your integrity, um, all of those things are super, super, they're just the most important. And if you have to let go of the goal because you're going to compromise those, just wouldn't do it. And I mean, I've had to let people go in the workplace. I remember one woman, we set very clear goals and she was new and she couldn't do the job. She couldn't do the job. So we had to sit down with her and say, we're really sorry, but we've noticed this, this, and this, and this. And she wanted a second chance, gave her a second chance, but she couldn't do the job. Mm -hmm. And in the end, that's when I have to say, well, you know, the needs of the business are this and you can't do that. So I'm really sorry. And, uh, but as long as it's done respectfully, she was clear about the boundaries, what needed to be done, how we would do it. And, and she couldn't do it. So the most respectful thing is to respectfully let her go, but it gives you then the framework to do that. That's great. And I like, I like how you said it's, you don't want to things to go rogue. So boundaries, some structure, those type of things are, are super, super helpful, isn't it? And it's, it's so interesting. You hear so much like when you're talking about boundaries in relationships and with children and all this sort of stuff. Also, all that, that sort of thing. Boundaries also help you to feel safe as well yeah. in a way, isn't it? I guess there's a negative perception around boundaries that it's somehow restrictive. But when they're communicated and they're clear, they can actually create a sense of safety and freedom as well. Yeah, and empowerment because you know what you do. It's like if you think of a football pitch or soccer pitch, whatever they call it in Australia, you've got boundaries, you've got lines, and you have to play within the line. Tennis, that's my new career. I've started taking up tennis. You've got to play within the lines. So it's no different in anything that we do. And again, for me, that builds that resilience muscle because you know where you're going. You've got a friend of mine the other day, she's at work and she's having a few issues and she said, I'm just staying in my lane. She's created her own boundaries and she's, because if she tries to do something she can't do, she hasn't got an influence on, it's not going to help her mentally or physically. What have I got control of? What can I influence and empower? And then you stay within your boundaries. That's awesome. And you mentioned there about you know, the, the resilience muscle. Other than running, is there, 
what do you do intentionally to build that resilience muscle in yourself personally? Yeah, that's funny. I was chatting about this with my daughter who came for dinner last night and I said, oh, I've got to talk about resilience and how I do that. She said, mum, it's running for you. Like, yeah, I know. (laughs) There must be something else. Um, For for me, it's a daily daily practice of, of getting out of my own way. Sometimes I just have to go for a walk. Yoga is a big thing for me as well. But I think it's also... I have this little thing in my head. So when I crossed the line on my very first ever marathon in Paris, I honestly didn't think I'd be able to run 42.195K. I didn't think I could do it. And in the book, Helen talks about how it changes you forever. We crossed the line of that race together. It was over five hours. It was, we've been on our feet forever. It changes you. You think, wow, if I can do that, I can do anything. What else can I do? So for me, it's taking back to situations daily. If there's a, something I don't know how to do or I'm anxious, I go, oh, hang on a minute, Joe, you ran, you ran a marathon. You know how you've got this. Or again, we talk about it in chapter five of the book. Helen and I were in Boston in 2013. For anybody who knows the history, that's the year the bomb went off. We were 700 meters from the finish line. And people go, oh, oh. but I look at that and go, that was so empowering. I remind myself of the decisions I took and I talk about them and what I did and how I made it pay. I, I wanted it to mean something. And so I, I draw back on my life experiences on a very regular basis and go, come on, Jill, stop believing yourself. You did this, you did that. And for me, it's like stretching an elastic band. You go back and you go, yeah, I ran that marathon. That's okay, I've stretched it a little bit. And they go, Boston, stretched it a little bit. And it never goes right back. So it's continually reminding yourself of, yeah, you can, you can do this. You did that. Of course you did. <laughs> and that's where, for me, it is a daily thing of incidences at work where you let somebody go, but it was okay because then they went on to get a much better job and they were empowered. You're, okay. So yes, it was awful at the time and it made me feel terrible, but I know that she went on and she went to ha- in fact, have an incredible career in the right environment. So it's reminding myself that in the end, if, if you do the right thing, the right thing happens. Yeah. The right thing to do is always the right thing, isn't it? And I like the way you describe that is going back and reviewing and reflecting on the past evidence, isn't it? Of that success. Yeah. And I would call that a resilience rock as, as far as that goes. And so when we're talking about resilience, resilience rocks, which it's, it is those foundations, those rituals, those practices, it's, and building that strength and that foundation. Also with the resilience rocks, there is a bit of a musical twist as well. So I've got a playlist on Spotify called Resilience Rocks. And on that, it's just a playlist full of music that again, can help build that resilience and get you out of a, out of a sticky situation. So do you have a song that would be your go-to as far as if you're feeling flat, you, you really need to shift the energy, any of that type of stuff? Is there a, is yeah, there a Tina Turner. Oh, Tina Turner. Just the best. Love it. Yes. Uh, in the very first direct selling company, Simply the Best was our like theme tune. It used to come on at every conference and I had it on yesterday as I was cooking dinner Sunday afternoon because we're going to see Tina Turner in the musical. So I'm going through her playlist and every time that comes on, I'm like, yes. Uh, and there's a few running ones, Eye of the Tiger, because that's played at the beginning of every marathon and the Chariots of Fire. 
So I've got a, I've got a little running playlist that sometimes I just have to put it on at a tough time in the running. Okay. You know, I could do this. Um, but simply the best, I have a tiger, chariots of fire. I love, I'm going to download your playlist. Definitely going to download your playlist. That's a great idea. I'm going to do a running, run, one, one for my book of all the lists and songs I run to. That would be a great idea. Oh, well, I will check the playlist and if those songs aren't already on there, I will add them right. and in your honor. Thank you. That's a and, great idea. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, it's been fun. There's about 20 hours worth of music on there now. And yeah, I, I just love to be able to add that. And, and it's also just nice to just hear what, what sort of music resonates with different people and, and everyone's got a different, a different style or genre or song. And I think, yeah, the best is, is definitely right up there with them. Yeah. This has been amazing. I can't believe how t- fast the time has flown in our conversation today. If people would like to connect with you, find out a little bit more about your book, where is the best place for people to do that? I'm just about to launch a website. So that's gillianstapleton.com. So that's pretty easy. I also have an Instagram for the book. It's called Running in Circles. So there's a little plug for the book. Running in Circles 42. Jump jump on Insta. You'll see pictures of me running. And the book you can find on Amazon. So at the moment, I don't sell it through my website, but I might do. Who knows? When I learn how to do e-commerce. But you can buy it on Amazon on a Kindle or it's a quick read. It's, it's not a literary genius. It's just an inspiration of a woman who started running at 47 and managed to keep moving through menopause. So jump on my Instagram because you'll see me. I'm going to be running the Sydney Marathon in September, slowly at the back. <laughs> That's okay. I'll get there. <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter where you are in the pack. It's the fact that you're in the pack the and you cross the line, isn't it? Oh, you, Stacey. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think you definitely epitomize re- resilience rocks and it's just been a pleasure to have you here today to share your insights, your wisdom and your inspiration. And um, yeah, I look forward to continuing the conversation as well. So thank you for joining me today on Resilience Rock Sales. Thanks, Stacey. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us again this week on Resilience Rock Sales. Don't just listen though, take action. The best sales professionals are always learning. Head over to resiliencerocks.com now to go backstage and get the resources mentioned today to help rock your sales goals.